0: We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow
1: when we give.
0: Ataeru We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity, a podcast celebrating generosity at work. Not financial giving, giving valuable time, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Welcome to another episode of ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host Shannon Cassidy, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with the Total Well-being Director and Practice Leader for Exude Inc and Employee Benefits Human Capital Consulting and Risk Management firm based in Philadelphia. Carla's mission is to rehumanize the workplace by fostering a culture of well-being that supports the whole employee. Her role at Exude enables her to develop strategies and programming that impact hundreds of organizations. Her approach and deliverables are grounded in the belief that every human has a need to feel seen, heard, connected, and that they matter. Carla was born in the Philippines, grew up in Canada and moved to the US in 2007. She currently lives in Southern New Jersey with her two daughters and husband. I am thrilled to discuss generosity at work with her. Welcome to ROG, Carla.
1: Thank you for having me, it's a pleasure.
0: Ah, Thank you for being here and for sharing this really interesting topic of corporate wellness. Can you share a little bit with us about this field of corporate wellness?
1: I, traditionally, it, it, a field was to develop on-site programming for employees. So you can probably remember being part of some of those programs when you have on-site fitness classes and nutrition <laughs> sessions. Um, and it was a lot more focused on the physical well-being side of things, or maybe an EAP program, employee assistance programs around mental health. Um, but over the years, what's, what's really excited me about it is it's expanded and formed into more of a holistic and integrative approach into helping employees thrive. So it's no longer just about the physical well-being side of things, and it's no longer just a uh, feel-good program over there that's fragmented from uh, everything else that's connected to the organization, right? It's, it's almost like a committee that's just involved in these fun events. Um, what what I would love to do with clients is really figure out how to integrate it into the strategy uh, and weave it into the culture of the organization, right? So there's stealth well-being and there's sort of the more obvious programming that uh, we tend to design for organizations.
0: And so what would you say is an important element to include in an effective wellness program?
1: I really starts with strategy. I think when, when clients come to us and when I'm involved in a consulting engagement, we're asked to design a program from nothing to something. Um, often the expectation is you know, my, my employees should eat healthier. They, you know, we want them to move more. We just, we want it for retention or recruitment reasons, right? There's there's various reasons, right? So I'd like to get clear about what is, what is your expectation for doing this? Yes. And going and tying into the theme of your podcast, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it's not linked to generosity or caring, right? It's really for you know, all purposes of just how the organization may appear to to other competitors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and recruiting that talent and leadership not really being fully committed to living the, the initiatives or values or whatever the components of the program may be. Um, where I get excited is when I get to work with organizations that really care. And that that is the ideal sweet spot for me because there's no hard selling and why you should invest in your employees, why we should be doing this. And so when I talk about strategy, I I do a whole assessment. Um, It takes me about a month to really gather all the data, understand, What the outcomes and expectations of the program is I may survey some of the leadership team members, Um, we may do some town hall sessions. um, You know small group sessions and so I want to hear from everybody right It could be like a full on organizational survey, but we take all that data and we try to figure out what where are we now and where we want to go and my role is is to develop programming that's employee visible um, and that they can participate but also stealth Um, so i start at looking at you know the employee life cycle from from recruitment to exit Um, and so i i want to understand when you're recruiting when you're onboarding employees like How are you reinforcing this message that we care about you and Mm -hmm. what tools and resources are you giving them. So it may may end up that I'm developing some of those onboarding tools and resources or trainings. um, Or working with managers and training them to communicate this or so live it and embody it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we, we have these micro intentional touch points that we craft to reinforce this message of well-being on top of obviously the, the, the visible programming that aligns with the strategic goals and values of the organization.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Do you find that you can tell right away if the intention is pure and for the benefit of the employee versus like a good retention or acquisition strategy?
1: It's rare that I, I meet an HR leader who doesn't care, that doesn't want the best for their staff. Um, it, you know, it, it depends on, on the leadership team and senior leadership, leadership team. And, you know, frankly, the CEO usually depends on the size of the organization. But it's difficult because sometimes there are folks that, are, that you know, there's part of the team that's fully bought in, some maybe not fully bought in. Um, but the selling point of, you know, why this is important to invest in, that, that's become easier to to position in the recent years, just because it's it's almost expected now that you you um, apply for an organization for a job, a wellness program has to come with it, right? It's it's not even something that, that's a uh, negotiable anymore. Uh, it's an expectation. Yep. A lot of times they don't have in-house experts, right? They have you know a team that's dedicated to employees, but maybe not necessarily trained in understanding what's effective, and so it's like a little hodgepodgey. I'm <laughs> finding. Yeah. So they're getting more sophisticated. There are roles now in-house that are similar to mine where, you know, maybe you have a full-time uh, staff member, director of well-being that's managing the in-house program. So there's a lot happening in this field. Mm,
0: thank God. Yeah. So when you talked about those, you know, uh, the, the timeline or the way in which you affect the employee experience from beginning to completion, um, you know, what are some examples of the kinds of things that are slight touch points? And then what are some examples of some, like you would call like more significant, contributions to the employee's well-being
1: so the let's start with the stealth right so when you think about uh, as simple as assessing the um the onboarding package right so even onboarding training right we've we've modified a lot of onboarding training that a lot of times it's been how to do your job you know here is about the organization but very little focus on how to take care of you while you're doing your job right and so we've developed care type packages um, that can be bundled with some training. So I've developed e-learning trainings that are now integrated into the employee experience so that they get it within the first week. Um, But most importantly, it's really working with the manager. So a lot of my focus in the training space is working with leaders and helping them to, first phase is really, let's take care of you, right? I, I don't believe you can be effective at teaching and and inspiring your direct reports to take care of themselves if you're not practicing it. And so just focus on you selfishly. Next phase would be how do you take what you've learned and model that and help influence and inspire your team. Teaching them little techniques and how to mindfully listen, how to coaching tools like acknowledging and validation, how to help someone feel seen and heard when they're having a stressful moment, right? And so it's like these human skills that often aren't, taught um, and can feel like you don't have time for it as a busy manager, right? Like who has time to pause and just listen? And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's so much of that in terms of this, the behind the scenes, what doesn't really seem like corporate wellness does straddle some of the human capital um, deliverables that we have, which is the nice thing about Exude is that I have partners in that space that we can sort of brainstorm together collectively and say, well, how can we make this better? And in the beginning, a lot of my focus is let's just do something feel good for the employees to like just for them to participate. There's no you know penalty. There's no you know major incentive. It's just let's just show that we're committed and that we're going to sustain this. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, during the first two years or so, as that's sort of happening and you're building trust from the employees, that's when I'm doing a lot of the work with the leadership team, managers. Um, really doing one-on-one coaching, group sessions, um, and then maybe sprinkling some trainings with the staff as well and other programming.
0: When we come back, we'll hear Carla talk about giving folks a minute to arrive. If you had more time in your day, what would you do with it? Listening to podcasts might not be the first thing you think of. Maybe that's because you're thinking podcasts take too much time to listen to. But what if there were podcasts designed with your time in mind, Podcasts that spoke to you. Podcasts that you could listen to in short segments. We've put together podcasts exactly like that. The Quad Pod Network is coming soon. Check out QODPOD.com for more details. And we're back on ROG, Return on Generosity. Great to know that organizations are prioritizing mental wellness and well-being and that they're partnering with you and organizations like Exude to help them to be able to strengthen their employees in a time that could otherwise really weaken and, and harm people. So I think it's the, that investment in making sure that on the other side of this people are actually in some cases stronger because they've been investing in themselves and finding new techniques to be resilient. So what are some of the like could you give us a technique or two that we could use for those who are listening who are people leaders and they're managing their own teams and maybe they don't even have a wellness offering in their organizations, they recognize that there's a need on their team, like they're seeing people demonstrate bad behavior, you know, short tempered or judgmental or maybe even recognizing emotions like sadness or overwhelm in their employees? Like what are some, an action that these leaders could take to help their teams?
1: Yeah, I I think the first part before they can even help is their willingness to be self-aware of how those uncomfortable emotions that are showing up during those engagements and interactions may be triggering Right, because so much of how they respond is dependent on how they're feeling and, and reacting or responding to those scenarios. So assuming that you've got a, you know, emotionally intelligent leader who's aware of their, their emotions or sensing that, wow, this, my team or my, my uh, you know, this direct report may be having an issue and I'm, I want to help them um, and they're not sort of owning that experience. They know, they're aware that that person's having it. Um, One of the the tips that's been um, well-received and we practice it at Exude as well is just starting any kind of meeting, right? It could be a a team meeting with, you know, many individuals or even just a one-on-one. So it's called a minute to arrive, right? So you you give yourself and your team member a minute to just catch up. (laughs) You know how it's like to be back-to-back-to-back-to-back. And so you may not be addressing the stressor that person may have, but if you're sensing that someone's coming to that Zoom meeting uh, or the phone call and you can feel energy is so contagious, you will feel it. That would be one tip. And then, you know, a lot of what I, I like to share as well, normalizing mental health, especially with managers and how they can do this, if they're willing to share, obviously, appropriately, being vulnerable in terms of some some experiences humanize yourself right yeah some probably you know recent struggles um and also get open and and okay to share about failures about things that didn't go well and positioning it as how can we learn from that so giving people that space because the theme i'm hearing as far as stressors from employees is that there's a lot of shame and guilt right now happening because people feel like they're they're not really you know functioning at the highest level because they're so distracted at home another tip that's really fun um that that some organizations have have enjoyed again depending on the audience you gotta know your audience um, you could start a meeting as well just by going around and having everyone just share two words to describe how they're doing Mm -hmm. how they're feeling you don't have to explain yourself you don't have to go into the story both really amazing um, how that can quickly humanize the experience, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about going into a meeting without having done that, and then you're noticing Carla's like oh, being quiet today. Like she's distracted. She keeps looking away. What is up with her? She didn't prep for this meeting. I, so you yes. know stories and assumptions to start taking assumptions. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now if I shared with you that I'm really um, exhausted, or I don't know, something Right? And then now you can have more compassion for me, perhaps, right? And mm-hmm. empathy because you're understanding that there's stuff going on and everyone has stuff and people don't remember that.
0: Yeah. And I love that humanizing, which is something that I think that you do so well in your work is that create a culture of caring, like investing in people, allowing yourself, or yeah, I've even heard you say, give yourself permission to bring your whole self to work which I actually think is very aligned with diversity, inclusion, and belonging, right? Okay. That you're inviting the whole person appreciate their uniqueness, like having those two words about how you're feeling and then offering or creating a potential opportunity for more compassion and empathy, and also giving that person a space to express and then, And then when you talked about how the leader personalizes the things that they're noticing, that it gives the leader more information about how they can lead that individual or what might be going on for them potentially something to follow up on. Can you tell me a little bit about the impact that self-care has on leaders,
1: you know, when you're you're working for a manager who prioritizes their well-being, who then encourages you go take a break, right? Like when's the last time that you took a day off or when's the last time that you did something for yourself? I mean, it it gives you permission, right? Cuz a lot of times we want to do that, but if you're working for someone who is on email 24/7, who does not know how to take a break, who clearly doesn't model or prioritize their well-being, but that sends a message. And that sends a message that if they're not doing it for themselves, what will they think if I take time? Mm-hmm. So self-care to me is is really what gives you energy, what refuels you. So self-care to you means spending more time in connecting with your family, reaching out, creating these Zoom sessions with them, or social distance hangouts. I mean, whatever it is that's going to energize you, that's going to meet your needs and align with your values, right? So it ends up being that the output is, you know, you feel better, your needs are met, you're going to perform better as a manager, you're going to be more likely to be empathetic, to be compassionate towards Mm -hmm. your your team, um, and to also identify when you're finding that they're not prioritizing themselves because you know what it's like, (laughs) right? You've modeled it, you've lived it, you know what too much is. Hopefully, that's the goal is that um, you're encouraging them to take care of themselves. Um, And in addition to that, too, as a manager, I think it is important that all managers are aware of what the organizational benefits are because there are a lot of like really you know, robust programs out there. I think that's really essential that when you're hearing things from your staff that they're struggling with to be also a resource for them.
0: Yes, yeah. you're aware of what's available to them and also available to understand what the needs are of the employee and you know, know where to go to get those kinds of answers. What I'm hearing you say, Carla, is that it is the right thing to do for the employee. It's a way for organizations to be congruent with what they say they stand for, like their core values and their mission as an organization. It's really putting into practice. It's, it's more difficult to create behaviors in a culture that exhibit the values than it is to just write the values or state the values. So it's the practice what you preach idea and so the intention isn't just about retention or the roi of these programs but just in the spirit of looking at the return on generosity what would you say is the bottom line benefit yeah i
1: mean there's actually studies right that that. um you know, that validate this. And just a recent one that I wanted to cite, um, especially because a good friend of mine, Louis Alora, was, was in, involved in the studies by the Wellbeing Lab and George Mason University. So they had um, a study during the pandemic in terms of just um, surveying workers in terms of what they need right now. And so what they found is that what workers need most right now is care and compassion from their leaders. And so this study found that leaders who regularly express care, compassion, and appreciation, and you can throw in their generosity because I think all of that are just synonyms, right, if you think about just caring for the person um, and being human towards a person. Um, what they found is that employees were are not only significantly more likely to garner trust, but they're also more likely to instill higher levels of well-being job satisfaction, productivity, performance, and commitment throughout uh, the entire workforce, right? So it's a contagion that ends up happening. Um, and so it's it's amazing what, what can happen. What the actual number <laughs> of ROI is in terms of quantifying that, obviously that would be difficult, but it makes total sense that this is something that should be prioritized.
0: Yes, absolutely. And what are some of the ways in which they got to those measures
1: a couple of ways they did it so they had um, states of well-being so it's almost like um, measuring it based on consistently thriving struggling um, living well despite struggles right Mm -hmm. and so they they layered that data with percentage of uh, states of well-being in american workplaces so um, they took previous data and sort of mirrored that it was pretty comprehensive and it's a widespread of a sample. That they yeah.
0: That's so cool. And I love that. You know, the person who <laughs> who ran the study. All
1: my, my work soulmates. So yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, that's
0: so good. So Carla of all of the strategies and tools and techniques that you practice and teach others. Could you give us your top three? Sure. So start
1: with morning, right? Starting your day powerfully is going to set the tone and theme for the rest of your day. Uh, so no matter how busy, I have two little kids, and you know they wake up in random times. Um, but it's a non-negotiable for me. Sometimes it's only 60 seconds of me time, and that could look like me just lying in bed. You might even look—I might even look like I'm still sleeping. But in my head, I am grounding myself. I'm getting in my body. I'm starting to feel like, oh, what does my joints feel like today, right? And so I'm getting present and and integrated into my body. Um, And then during that time, in terms of my morning ritual, um, I also like to envision my intention for the day. So um, I call it intention setting, right? So I kind of play my day out, like almost like daydreaming. And then I think about who do I need to be to show up? How do I need to show up to be able to have this kind of day? So it's I'm visualizing that day. So it could be as simple as that, or you go work out or do something powerfully, but I do not check my phone first thing in the morning.
0: Okay. Start your day powerfully.
1: Powerfully. Your time, whatever fits you know your needs uh, and makes you feel energized. Mm-hmm. The second would be um, leveraging your breath. You know, I, I know we talked about this previously, uh, Shannon, but a lot of people, we're, we're breathing constantly, but most people are not effectively breathing um, or not leveraging their breath for relaxation. And we are getting triggered with stress all day long. And so like, I like to schedule breathing breaks. I do a specific breathing technique called the 478 breathing technique twice a day, um, especially when I'm feeling more tense. Um, but really important that when we're inhaling through our nose and exhaling through our mouth, we're also expanding our belly. So you can Google that um, breathing technique or you can probably you know, adopt so many other ones. But just remember, breathing is like your internal cooling system. So when you start feeling like you're starting to overheat, Right, breathing through your nose, just imagine you're cooling down your brain or your prefrontal cortex to get it back online so that you can make that, you know, sound decision <laughs> and respond mm. versus react.
0: So helpful. You've taught me that and that has stuck with me. So start your day strong.
1: Yeah, powerfully, yep.
0: Powerfully. So start your day powerfully, breathing and yep. using breathing as your technique to calm and center yourself. What will be your third and final?
1: My third and final, and I would say probably the most important, especially during these times, um, is to to give yourself compassion and to allow yourself and permission to be human.
0: Oh, thank you. That is so beautiful. to uh, Give yourself permission to be human.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. Thank you, Carla, for sharing your wisdom with us.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Wow, what incredible insights we just got from Carla Chin, Director of Total Well-Being from Exude. How can we apply those things to our own lives? The ROG key takeaways help us to personalize these big ideas to enable us to be more generous and more resourceful. Exude's integrative approach to total well-being has four pieces. So the first one is self-awareness. What and who brings out the best in us? When you feel really energized and creative, motivated and totally engaged, what are the aspects of those moments that you think enable you to be your best? Self-awareness is the understanding of how your body and your mind connect. The second piece, of the integrative approach to total well-being is self-compassion. Carla said that that's the most important thing. Give yourself compassion and permission to be human. What is it that you need to give yourself permission to be human about right now? Where are you judging yourself? Is it something related to your physical appearance, your health and wellness, your financial situation, your relationships, some other factor in your life? How could you look at those exact same things and give yourself permission to just be human, without judgment and shame, but with compassion and understanding? Practice that this week. The third is self-responsibility. Self-responsibility, as Carla has described it to me before, is that willingness to own what you own, the ways in which you affect people, how you manage your physical environment, your self-care and hygiene, your relationships and how you communicate, how readily you can adapt your style to be more effective with other people. That's taking responsibility for yourself and doing something about it. And then the fourth is self-trust. Self-trust comes from these other pieces, I think, where you're investing in yourself enough to know that you're doing the best you can. You're a work in progress like all of us. You're imperfect like all of us. And you're willing to do the hard work. And by doing the hard work and digging deep to understand what do you really believe? What are those things that cause you to derail sometimes? where do you need to focus more energy and where are you making a difference? How are you living a life of purpose and meaning? Because all of us are. So that self-trust comes from the acute awareness of how you operate and loving yourself through it, imperfections and all. So to recap some of the simpler things that Carla suggested that we do, How will you start your day powerfully tomorrow? First thing in the morning when your feet hit the floor, what will you do physically? What will you do mentally? What will you do emotionally? What will you do spiritually? What will you do to start your day powerfully? Will you put your feet on the floor, reach your arms way up high to inhale, do a long exhale out as you bring your hands together? And then maybe you put your hands on your hips and you say, let's do this. Or will you do something else? Think about it, envision it, and then do it tomorrow. Start your day powerfully. The other thing she said was to leverage your breath and take breathing breaks. That brings oxygen to your brain, which will enable you to be more creative and innovative. It will simmer down your stress. It could enable you to have more focus and to be present in the moment. How will you remember to do that? Will you use an app, set a reminder, have a buddy check in on you? What are ways that you could build in breathing breaks throughout your day to get the most zest and energy and really to be kind to yourself? One of Carla's favorite quotes is from Wayne Dwyer, and he says, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. What if we looked at ourselves as beautiful works in progress and gave ourselves permission to be human? What might that enable in our lives? And for those of you who are hearing this and thinking, well, that's selfish, that's very self-focused, actually not doing this is selfish and self-focused. As the airlines are so fond of saying, as the airlines are so fond of saying, put your own oxygen mask on first before going around saving other people. There's a reason for that. Because if we're not at our best and we're not energized and we're not enabling ourselves to have this self-compassion, self-awareness, self-responsibility, and self-trust, we're no good to anyone. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We
1: grow when we give. We
0: grow when we give. Join us each week on ROG, Return on Generosity, to grow and learn with us. Sign up now to catch upcoming episodes, and please follow us on bridgebetween.com and our social media outlets. Thanks for listening.